0: Chapter 26, beginning in verse 17. Please follow along as I read. He that passeth by and meddleth with strife, belonging not to him, is like one that taketh a dog by the ears. As a madman who casteth firebrands, arrows, and death, so is the man that deceiveth his neighbor and saith, Am not I in sport? Where no wood is, there the fire goeth out. So, where there is no talebearer, the strife ceaseth. As coals are to burning coals, and wood to fire, so is a contentious man to kindle strife. The words of a talebearer are as wounds, and they go down into the innermost parts of the belly. Burning lips and a wicked heart are like a potsherd covered with silver dross. He that hateth, dissembleth with his lips, and layeth up deceit within him. When he speaketh fair, believe him not, for there are seven abominations in his heart, whose hatred is covered by deceit. His wickedness shall be showed before the whole congregation. Whoso diggeth the pit shall fall therein. And he that rolleth a stone, it will be returned upon him. A lying tongue hateth those that are afflicted by it. And a flattering mouth worketh ruin. May God bless his word. Let's bow together in prayer. Father, again, we just come before you and uh, ask you for your blessing on the word, your word. I pray, Father, that as we address and think about this next year, and we just think about people uh, we're mindful of all the people that you've put in our lives and how we've been affected by them. and we're just so grateful uh, for the church fellowship here. We're so f- thankful, Father, for the the friendships that we have made over the years and the people that you've put in our lives, some of them moving away. And uh, Lord, we're just so grateful for the precious fellowship of the body of Christ and uh, hearts that have been heartstrings that have been tied together. Uh, that will never be severed. And, Father, we look forward to the time when we get to have our glorified bodies and spend eternity with our Savior and those we love. And, Lord, we pray that you'd bless us today uh, as we consider your work, the church. And, Father, I pray that you'd bless us and help us to be a friend to others, help us to be a blessing uh, to those especially young in the Lord. And, uh, Lord, help us to take responsibility for the things that we say. And we ask your blessing now on on your word. And we pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. You may be seated. Your Bible, again, I say that. Take your Bibles and turn to Proverbs chapter 26. Our messages in the morning service, really for this whole year up to now, have been about people. You remember that was going to be our theme this year, people. People. Two weeks ago, I began a sub-series uh, about, really, that stemmed from a, a conversation I had with my father-in-law many years ago. Uh, he started coming to church and observing um, me as a pastor, and he made the statement to me one day, he said, I don't know how, I don't know how you can do it, where people just continually, it's people come up with their problems. And he said something like, how can you stand? It just all people do is come up to you with their problems. And, um, and I thought about that. And, and you know, he's right. But I remember when, him, when he said that, I, I was thinking, you know, it, it really isn't that bad. You know, it's actually a blessing um, to be able to help people, walk with people through life, and their problems. So so long ago, I had this conversation, and then it caused me to kind of stand back and just consider that issue. People and problems. And I've thought of that many, many times, and, and the more I think about it, I've kind of broken things up into categories, and that's what I'm preaching to you now, uh, two weeks ago, this morning, and then, Lord willing, next week. And I've realized that when it comes to people and problems, there's really three categories. Last time we dealt with people's problems, and we all got them, right? I remember one time, I, f- I know, I remember the lady who it was, but she was, I guess she, I, I visited the house or something at an importune time when she was being a, a, a mom, you know, to her kids. And and she expressed something, you know, that she was afraid that I was going to think she was a basket case or something. And and, and that's when I thought, you know what? We're all basket cases. You know, we really are. We are all basket We all have problems, don't we? And it's because of sin, not necessarily our own sin, but that we certainly contribute to that, don't we? But we all have problems. God uses those problems. Uh, he has not... Eliminated those problems in our life. In fact, he uses them for his glory. And so problems, we could call them a necessary evil because that's how God grows us. So you and I will never get away from problems. We're always going to have problems. And um, so that's, you know, people's problems. What a blessing to be able to walk with one another through life and bear one another's burdens. And we will all have that need until we get to heaven. Charlie was talking about that this morning in in the Bible study. You know, uh, that when we get saved, we're delivered from the penalty of sin. Praise praise the Lord, that's right away. And then he said, uh, you know, we're also being saved from the power of sin. And depending on how good of a Christian you are, that should take maybe a couple months to a year. Okay, I was waiting for a response. I'm like, you're all like, oh, really? <laughs> no, it's a lifelong challenge, is it not? And uh, only when we see Christ will we be like him. We're going to see him face to face. And then that's when the third aspect that Charlie talked about this morning, that that's when we will be delivered from the very presence of sin. But not until then. So people's problems are always going, you know, people's problems... We're all going to have them, and God is going to use them. And in fact, He is building His church through people with problems. And it is imperative. If you want to deal with your problems, those of you, especially online, that don't go to church, you need to get to a church, Bible believing church, and you need to help. You need to walk with other brothers and sisters it is very unscriptural and not God's design that you go it alone. Okay, that was a little moment just for them, okay? You folks are all here, you know, you're, you're, uh, you're, you're following the plan. But it's so easy to, you know, because people with problems can affect us, can't they? It's imperfect people who say, not the right thing that hurts us. And we have to deal with that. And so that brings us to our text issue today. Last time it was people's problems. Today, and this is the second aspect, as I've thought about my father-in-law statement, I've categorized, okay, there's three aspects in the ministry. Only one of them is the hardest. That's the one we're going to deal with the next time, honestly. But first we have people's problems. And we've been dealing with that for coming on 30 years here. People with problems. The second thing can be a little more difficult than the first thing, and that is people problems. You know, it's not semantics here. I guess it is semantics. Uh, pay attention here. We're not talking now about people's problems. We're talking about people problems. That's you know between people with people, and we will always have that because we have problems and we're not perfect. We have not, and here's the bottom line. People problems come from this little member in our mouth called the tongue. You know, it really does. That's, and, and it's so easy, it's so simple. God gives us the cure on how to address people problems. People problems do not need to become a problem in a church. They often do if we don't handle people problems properly. And so what I want to do is we want to take you to a text, Proverbs chapter 26. Now often Proverbs are are just that. They are individual Proverbs, uh, pithy sayings that uh, have great wisdom. And many of the Proverbs, you can just take the individual Proverb or verse, and it stands on its own. But every, every once in a while in the Proverbs, there will be sections where they address where you keep it in context is important. A lot of Proverbs, you can take them out of context. Well, you, you can, they stand alone. But some Proverbs, like this text this morning, it all goes together. And so the, the writer of Proverbs is talking about the tongue. He's talking about people problems. And he's talking, really, it goes back to the human heart. In fact, that's where our problem, you know, that's where people problems come from. The Bible says, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. In fact, it's interesting. What Charlie addressed this morning in Matthew chapter 5, the last section of that text, is exactly what we're talking about today. We're probably not going to go to that text, but we're going to carry on with what Charlie was talking about. About you know loving your enemy, that whole thing. And, and we have a responsibility to one another. God does not want you Going it alone in your Christian walk. You need to get together. You need to find a body of believers. You can call your own so that you can grow. You can help bear their burdens and they can help bear your burdens. And you can be accountable to one another. There's a parallel passage to Proverbs 26 that we I'll just refer to. It's Matthew 18. Remember what Jesus said? He said, If a brother shall trespass against thee, tell as many people as you can before you confront them. Wait a minute. I think I'm messing that one up. doesn't say that. Yet that's often what we do. If thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. If he shall hear thee. And that's the whole... Crux of it. Jesus wants us to love one another. That's how people, the world will know we're disciples. If we have love one for another. That's what we've been talking about in 1 John, our series in the evening service. Over and over again, John keeps hitting this point. Love the brethren. If you don't love the brethren, it's like you say, are you even saved? Because that's one of the fruit of being saved. So, we have a responsibility to one another. And loving one another, when you love one another, which should be demonstrated nowhere more superiorly than in the church. That's how the world's going to know we're disciples, by our love one for another. When we love one another, we consider one another. In fact, that's a challenge that Paul wrote to the church. Consider one another. Love one another. So when you you love someone, you consider them. You give them some credit so that their opinion matters whether you agree with them or not. You don't dismiss someone that you love. When you love someone, you respect them. In fact, one of the greatest violations of the tongue, James said, is, Therewith bless we God. And therewith curse we men, which are made after the similitude or the likeness of God. And then he says, my brother, these things ought not so to be. When you and I abuse the tongue when it comes to one another, that's what creates people problems. And eventually becomes a real problem in the church. So we could just go to Matthew 18 and just follow those steps the Lord gives... But we're going to go to this text here. It's a parallel passage, Proverbs chapter 26, beginning in verse 17 down to verse 26, and it's how to deal with people problems. And so let's just, three points, let me give you the outline, and then we're just going to jump right in. Three points based on this text, uh, people problems. First of all is the transgression. Verse 17, he that passeth by, And meddleth with strife belonging not to him. You know what this is? This is the flip side of Matthew chapter 16, or Matthew chapter 18 and verse 15. If your brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. Now, this verse, he that passes by, it's the same teaching, it's just the other perspective. See, we're all all walking through life. Just imagine us, you know, happily walking through life, minding our own business, going about our own day. And in our little walks through life, you and I are going to pass by people's problems. We're going to pass by somebody else's strife that doesn't belong to you. I want you to keep that in mind. There are problems that belong to you. That's enough to keep us all busy 24 hours a day, right? And there's going to be problems that don't belong to you. You need to make a distinction. Because if you and I pass by and we meddle with strife that doesn't belong to us, here's a very vivid picture. How many of you have dogs? How many have ever picked up your dogs by the ear? No, I'm glad to hear that. We will report you if <laughs> you do, right? No, you love your dog, but can you imagine if you picked a dog, especially a vicious dog, you picked up a dog by the ears, it's not going to go well for you. And God's using that picture, he's saying, that's what happens when you and I meddle that you know, to meddle is to intermingle, to get involved in stuff that is nobody is not our own business. In fact, Peter was addressing this, and I love this text in Peter. He says, we're not to be busybodies in other men's matters. And I love the Greek there because it's the same term that is translated bishop. And it's the the idea of a bishop as an overseer. And he's saying there are people that become overseers of other people's business. That's people that meddle with problems that aren't their own. And that's when, that's when there's a problem. That's when you're violating Matthew 18, 15. You're not going to your brother and telling him to trespass. Uh, so that's number one, that, the transgression. Number two, I'm just giving the outline right now. Number two is treachery. And this is verse 18 through 19. And then verse 23 through 26. This is the crux of this text, where it focuses on the damage that is done when we violate that simple principle that if we have a problem... We need to go to the person privately ourselves. That's how you show respect for other people. If you have a problem with someone, you go to them. And when you do, you demonstrate your love for them by going to them before you go to anyone else. And so, and and by the way, there's a flip side that you and I should be approachable. It's just hard. It is hard... When somebody comes to you and they have a problem with something you've said, with something you've done, something you haven't said, something you haven't done, an attitude you had, I mean, it's its hard to hear criticism. And by the way, not all criticism is bad, folks. I mean, there are things that need to be addressed in life. And you and I need to be approachable. It doesn't mean we like it. It doesn't mean we're like, you know, Nobody slammed me or criticized me in the last few weeks. I, I need to get some more, you know, hey, who has a problem with me? Let's line up. You know, we don't like that. But when somebody approaches you with a problem, here's how they ought to be able to, and we don't often say this, but they ought to be able to say, listen, I have a concern. I haven't talked to anyone about it. I wanted to come to you first. Now I granted I think it, there's a category there that husbands and wives when you when you two people become one they become one in reputation, interest and affection and uh I believe it's okay for a husband and wife you know to kind of get counsel and and if you if you're going to go to anyone you can go or your parent maybe if you're not married you have a parent you see you're having a problem and you want to get counsel your pastor those kind of things but you and I have to be very careful that we don't complain to others first just to make sure we have more people that agree with us on our side before we go to someone. That's what often happens. And that's the treachery. And Proverbs is going to talk about that. And then finally we have the treatment. We've got to jump right in. There's a, a lot of stuff here and I know I'm not going to be able to exhaust it all but let's jump right in. First the transgression. Again verse 17. Proverbs 26:17. He that passeth by and meddles, inner metal, meddle, inner, inner, you know, gets involved with, strife belonging not to him is like one that taketh a dog by the ears. Here's how it's worded the previous chapter in a different proverb. Proverbs 25, 9. Debate thy cause. And the Hebrew word there for cause is, it's an issue. You have an issue with someone. You have a problem. You have a gripe. Debate thy cause with thy neighbor himself, and discover not a secret to another. In other words, you have a problem with someone. And God is saying, okay, it's just, this is, in fact, Proverbs 25.9 really is Matthew 18.15 reworded. You know, if a brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. If he hears you, you've gained a brother. And that's the purpose of it, is to rest, restore fellowship to, to deal with this. Proverbs 25.9 Debate thy cause with thy neighbor himself and discover not a secret to another. You have a problem with someone, you are obligated in the interest of Christian love to go to them. And, and I, I love my mom, God bless her, Of all the counsel she gave me, I will never forget this. And she didn't realize how scriptural she was. Well, maybe she did. And she said that your mom might have said the same thing, although she probably didn't call you Stevie. She said, Stevie, if you don't have anything nice to say about anyone, finish it. Don't say anything at all, right? You know that's backed up with scripture. It really is. Debate that cause So, the question is, in fact, what happens if you violate this? Let me just go into this. There's a term the Bible uses, several terms that the Bible uses, to describe people that violate this principle. It's the word slander. By the way, in our English Bible, the word slander, sometimes that same Hebrew word is translated a whisperer. It's, it's, It's gossip. Another other terms the Bible uses is reviler. In fact, listen to this. Um, the Bible s- talks about uh, the different people that are going to uh, to be in heaven. It lists all these things. And it lists 1 Corinthians chapter 6. You don't need to turn there. It lists all these things and it says, these These people shall not inherit the kingdom of God. And there's some serious things on there. Murder, thieves, covetous, drunkards. And then it says revilers. What is a reviler? In fact, that same word is, is translated in 1 Corinthians 5 and verse 11 as a railer. Uh, railing accusation. And here's what that is. It's gossip. It's, it's slander. That's probably one of the best terms. Slander is when you and I go around saying things that would ruin other people's reputation. A good name is rather to be chosen than great riches, and loving favor rather than silver and gold. Your A person's reputation is very important. And every time you and I pass around a bad report, we're doing damage to that person's reputation. In fact, what we are doing is we are sowing seeds of discord. The Bible uses that phrase a lot. Don't be someone that sows... Seeds of discord. Listen to what Proverbs 16 and verse 28 says. A froward man. You know what a froward person is? It's somebody that does not like to follow the rules. It's someone that's... It's a difficult person. Call them troublemakers. A froward person soweth strife. And a whisperer separateth chief friends. What is a whisperer? Well... A whisperer isn't just someone who. It's not like God says, oh, if like if somebody whispers to you in church, you don't go." Shh! The Bible says you're not allowed to whisper. And the Bible that's not what it's talking about. A whisperer is someone who, by very definition, they're saying something negative about someone, and that's why they're speaking in hushed tones. The Bible. You look up the term whisper. It's, it's you separate chief friends. Because you're violating this principle of Christian love, of going to another brother or sister to address an issue you have with them, and not going to everybody else. Pastor Paul Connor was a pastor in Wellsboro for many years and other places. He's now the the um, whatever he is the the representative of the PRBC Fundamental Baptist Churches in Pennsylvania. He's been that for decades, and uh, he comes in, you know, his his basic job is when a church has a problem, he's there to be available. And um, just like you, you know, when you have a problem, your pastor's here to be available to you. Well, he just, all he does is go around Pennsylvania and hear what church problems are. Can you imagine that? (laughs) And he made this statement one time, which to me was very profound. And it was after he had been called in to a church, pretty large church, that, The pastor had left, and there was a major, major strife going on. And he came in, and this had happened to him a million times, it seemed. And he made this statement. He said, miscommunication will breed suspicion every time. He said, I've seen it time and time and time again in churches. And when he said that, I wrote that down to me. I said, whoa, Paul, wait a minute. I want to get to repeat that, please. And I wrote it down miscommunication will breed suspicion every time. I've seen it time and time and time again. So what is miscommunication? Miscommunication is when you don't communicate properly or you don't go to that person. You've got an issue. You don't go to them. You're you're not communicating. I've been collecting quotes, as many of you know. You've heard some of these before. But I've been collecting quotes... Because I've been misunderstood so many times, and apparently it's just a thing in life. First time I ever heard a quote like this was uh, an associate pastor at Bible Baptist Church in Westchester, who's recently built, gone to be with the Lord. A very beloved man named Tom Pollock had a saying on uh, in his office. It was on a plaque, and um, it's it's a good one. He says, "I know." That you believe you understood what you think I said, but I'm not sure you realize that what you heard is not what I meant. Now that's a mouthful, but I'm going to repeat it again, because I think you can all relate to that, can't you? I mean, haven't you had... I know that you believe you understood what you think I said, but I'm not sure you realize that what you heard is not what I meant. Man, that hits the nail on the head. How many times have you been misunderstood? Okay, that's part of... Being an imperfect human. But how you deal with it is where it goes from there. Here's another one. Pastor. In fact, this, I believe this is the pastor where Jean Terlecki goes now, still. I heard it. She told me about this pastor, and, and anytime someone from our church goes to another church, you know, we, we're looking out for them. <laughs> we're looking out for them. And um, so I wanted to listen to this pastor, and the first message I heard. He made this statement, and I could so relate, not to the years. He said, in over 40 years of preaching, people have often not heard what I'm saying, and have often heard what I'm not saying. I can relate to that. Somebody mishears something, or, and I will grant you this, I don't always say the right things what I mean. My wife will tell you that. I'm working on that to this day. I'll say things... And she'll be like, Do you know what you just said? I'm saying, well, no, that's not what I meant. So forget about what I said. This is what I meant. No, I realize, especially as a pastor, and I'm still working on it. So give me a few more decades, would y'all, please? <laughs> but you know, we, we say things we don't, you know, people hear what we do. Anyway, here's another one. This is out of the book Love and Respect. Great book, especially for married couples. And uh, Dr. Emerson Eggert says, What I say is not what you hear, and what you think you heard is not what I meant at all. It's all, all the same, rewording the same thing. And then um, in a book by Josh McDowell, Evidence That Demands a Verdict, a classic text, he makes this statement. He said, Be cautious of drawing conclusions one way or another when you do not clearly understand something. Study it further and investigate other sources. And that's true when you and I misunderstand someone. Love means that you consider one another. If you're offended by what you think I said, you have an obligation to come to me. If I'm offended, it, unless you're willing to give me some slack. And, and a lot of times, in a church that... Folks, we've been going on here for 30 years. There have been so many times where somebody didn't word something and it was offensive initially, but the person... Took into consideration that person's heart, how they knew them, and, they, and they, just, they, they were able to dismiss it by simply saying, I know they didn't mean to hurt me. That's happened a lot. And you probably have been some of them, guaranteed, especially you use, use, use guys, especially those of you that have been coming, sitting under my preaching for decades, guaranteed you've done that, uh, you've had to do that many times. I can't believe pastor said that i mean you're ready to be offended and then you're like oh, okay it's pastor i know he didn't mean what i what i heard you know i know that's happened and that's happened with you between one another because there's love here and if you're not able to just give someone some slack because it really bothers you that's when you're obligated to go to them and address it and how many times when that happens do you realize that it was miscommunication? Either on our part, I, you know what, I, I, I didn't word that the way I should have. Or, on our part, as far as understanding, oh, you didn't mean it that way. That's how I took it. If you follow the first step of Matthew 18, 15, and Proverbs chapter 25 and verse 9, and you go to them, most often... The problem is resolved. If you debate your cause with your neighbor himself and discover not a secret to another, then that's usually able to clear it up. Now we move into the treachery. Go to, back to Proverbs 26. Because, he, in fact, this whole proverb, you know, we're, I think we're going to deal with this. We've got like five minutes left, a little more. Got 10 minutes left. Still not enough. We're going to continue this part. So we're going to, next week, Lord willing, we're going to continue people problems. You okay with that? Any people here have a problem with that? Okay. All right, we're going to, uh, we're going to continue it. But let's begin the second point here. First, again, we had the transgression. The biggest, the worst thing you can do is to air your gripes to someone you claim you love To anybody but that person. Again, I give in a marriage, in a family, getting counsel, your pastor, I understand that. Uh, Different people in authority understand that. But second, we have the treachery. And here's where this proverb really spends some time. We could also, and we probably will if we don't this week, next time. James chapter 3 is another great text that talks about the tongue and uses some of the same uh, analogies, fire, that this text here uses. And You know, our, our tongues have so much power to destroy, to cause pain, to divide people. A whisperer separateth chief friends I want to lay out before you the importance the power of, a, of your tongue and a, a word spoken an idle word just just saying it off the top of your head you know whatever comes to your mind well, that can be very dangerous in fact, James says, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak. You know, the Bible says even a fool when he holds his peace is counted wise. We had a guy in Bible college, a Bible school named Matt, that used to drive us crazy. And maybe he came from the Midwest where things are just slower. But, you know, we grew up around Philly and everything's so fast-paced. I hate it but I'm one of the products of it. And Matt would just, when you ask him a question, he would just take forever. He'd be like, come on, Matt, give me an answer! But because he was so slow to speak, he came across as the most brilliant, wisest... (laughs) We all thought, man, Matt, you know, man, he is so wise... And it's simply because he just was slow to speak. Now, I ended up in his, in school, his grades were very good. So there was, you know, he has some wisdom there. But I want to I want to grow up to be like Matt. Now, right now, I am way older than he was in Bible college, you know. But I still want to grow up to be like Matt, you know, because again, he would just, hey, Matt, you know, what do you think of this question? Matt, I just asked you a question. <laughs> And he's thinking, he's thinking. And the Bible commends that. Slow to speak. Slow to speak, swift to hear. So look at Proverbs 26 now, verse 18. And here's where we, all, we learn about the heart. And again, we'll pick up with this next week. But the Bible says, As a madman who casteth firebrands, arrows, death, and death. It's talking about someone that is not an honorable person. So is the man that deceiveth his neighbor and saith, "Am not I in sport?" And what does that mean? Deceives his neighbor and says, "Am I not in sport?" It's, it's, let's bring this to today. What it's talking about is someone that will say things. Maybe you know we call them like double entendre, and you know where they'll they'll say something where they're kind of expressing what they think, maybe in a joking way, and then they'll say, oh, I'm only kidding. That's the idea of uh, in that statement that says, am not I in sport. Oh, I'm only kidding. I'm just kidding. We have to be so careful what we say. Because things will come out. And here, this is talking about somebody that is not a good person to make your friend. They'll say one thing, but their heart is different. Look at what it says. It's so clear. Pick up in verse 23. Burning lips and a wicked heart are like a potsherd covered with silver dross. Let's talk about what's burning lips. Another synonym for the the Hebrew word that's used for burning is fervent. And the idea, when you look at the context on the word itself, it's talking about someone who expresses warmth. Affection. That's the idea. So with their lips, they're showing much love, saying nice things. But they have a wicked heart. In other words, what they're saying is really not how they feel at all. They're just saying what they're saying to get something out of you, to to hide their real feelings. And that's why verse 24 really nails it. It says, "He that hateth dissembleth." These are old English words, so you got to step back. You that read this for the first time in the King James Version, you might be confused by that. Okay, he that hates, and, and the closest thing we have when I saw this dissembleth, I am thinking, okay, someone that hates disassembles something. Now, this is not this is not what the word dissembleth mean means. The word it's not to disassemble. It's literally, this word um, dissembleth is an old English word which literally means to disguise or to conceal. So, he that hateth dissembleth with his lips. We're still talking about the same thing. Remember? Burning lips and a wicked heart. It's like a shard of pottery that is worthless. You cover it with silver to try to make it look like it's something important. And so, somebody whose heart is not with you, but their lips would say contrary, he that dissembleth with his lips and layeth up deceit within him. Verse 25, here's some counsel for us. When he speaketh fair, you know, when his lips are burning and saying all these nice things to you, believe him not, for there are seven abominations in his heart. And then we'll pick up next week with verse 26. His hatred is covered by deceit. Here's where you and I, if I can wrap this up here, I want to encourage you to be a good friend. In the church setting, you've become born again. And by the way, if you haven't become born again, that's going to be the first step for you to enter into the power of God. A lot of people play church for a while. They, they do the church speak. You now they learn quickly how they can say the right thing to, to get under the radar just so people will leave them alone uh, and they're really not converted in their heart. So they don't have the Holy Spirit of God. They don't have that power. And by the way, tonight, come back tonight. We're gonna, as we study 1 John, we're gonna be talking about the Spirit's ministry in us. And that's the only thing that will keep you in the faith. Is if you have the Holy Spirit. It's not something that you know, you you hang on to your Christianity, folks, man. Don't drop it. You really got to work hard know the idea of when you get saved, we're not it's not about us holding on to God, it's him holding on to us. So if you've not experienced the rebirth, you can try and be like us and all the people you see, but if you've not experienced the new birth, it's going to be a flat, dead experience to you. Anyway, here's the challenge. Be a good friend. Be a good friend to your brother and sister in Christ, even your professing brother and sister in Christ. I want to close with a George Washington quote that I shared two weeks ago, I believe, but, or I shared it recently, but George Washington made this very profound statement that, that I've been meditating and thinking on I know it's not scripture, but there's such wisdom to this. He said, be courteous to all. By the way, this is good Christian, how to love someone. Be courteous to all, but intimate with few. And let those few be well tried before you give them your confidence. True friendship is a plant of slow growth and must undergo and withstand the shocks of adversity before it is entitled to the appellation. In other words, hold off in calling someone a friend until you give that relationship time. It needs time. What a great example, or what a great environment the church. So, here's here's how you can be a good friend. On the opposite side, be loving. And if you have a problem with someone, go to them personally. So, oh, I'm afraid I'm going to hurt their feelings. Okay? If you don't go to them personally, and you have ill will that you're not expressing, guess what that makes you? Guess what category you fall in? The kisses of an enemy. Remember, faith for the wounds of a friend. In other words, it's a person that's going to come to you. It's a person that loves you that's willing to have that awkward moment that shows they care enough about you rather than someone that just says all nice things. Kisses of an enemy. That's not, by the way, that's not talking about real kissing. It's talking about your talk. So, do you have a problem with someone? Is it gotten enough? And again, please, I hope that you're not... Wait a lady in Lancaster, I know I'm out of time now. So you can just shut me down and I'll just keep talking. I'm going to wrap it up here. But wait, I remember a lady in Lancaster that um, I preached one time on Matthew 18 about going and telling your offense to someone. And I, I I was all new in the ministry and I didn't realize it were people that had failed the grace of God. And she took that, at least she took that, She she responded to a message. And... I found that all of a sudden, every week, it seemed that she was going up to someone and saying, you've offended me. You know, She was getting offended all the time. It's just, I'm just following Matthew 18, you know? And it was like millions of, you know, oh, you offended me, you offended me. And I realized, wait a minute. You need to give some people slack. You do. If you're getting offended all the time by the little nuance of things you need to step back and examine where you are but if there's something that is festering and you've you've tried to give the slack and you find that it's just it's come to a point then you do need to go to that brother if you've already gone to someone else then you've already started the seeds of discord and you've already really in in some ways, you've acted irresponsibly. In fact, debate thy cause with thy neighbor himself, discover not a secret to another, lest he that heareth it put thee to shame, and thine infamy turn not away. Again, we're picking up with this next week, but folks, may I challenge you to take responsibility for your tongue and for offenses. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Uh, Father, these things I know they're they're very practical. They're things that we deal with all the time in our problems and one another's problems. And I'm so grateful, Father, for um, just any church that's been around for a while has had people problems. And I'm just so grateful for those that love one another enough to not sow seeds of discord, but to go to one another. And I'm thankful, Father, as I think of how heartstrings are tied is when we show one another love enough to go to them resolve issues and walk away stronger and father i pray that you'd make each one of us a true friend make us someone that does not hide hatred with lying lips make someone that make us someone father that loves our brothers and sisters in christ because christ loved us Help us with these things. Help us with our people problems. And we'll thank you for it. We pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen.